Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. You just seem so angry almost all the time. Not this weekend. Why? Good weekend for the Yankees. It's June. I know. I'm still enjoying it while I can. Uh, remember what the new century saying is. <laughs> when the leaves fall, so do the Yankees. <laughs> Maybe if you're King Cole, but that's about it. Boy, you're just so nasty when it comes to him. All right. Um... Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll do everything they can to make sure you're fully insured, and they'll do everything they can to save you money. And they also bring with them a lot of other services that make your life better. And don't forget about the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament on Wednesday, August 10th at the beautiful Susquehanna Valley Country Club to benefit the greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. We will be there for that. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Scott Spinelli on the NBA Finals in a moment. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Tampa Bay gets to defend its Stanley Cup. Long hit-ahead pass for Kucherov. He centers one for Stamkos, and a brilliant save, and then a score! Stamkos, as Tampa Bay comes right back to take a 2-1 lead. And came out immediately. What a sweet feed from Kucherov. Stamkos' shot is stopped. Oh, this is going to count. This hits the left leg of Stamkos after the save of Shesterkin. It's going to bounce out, hit Stamkos in the pants. The calls of uh, Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro on ESPN, and ESPN will have the Stanley Cup final between Tampa Bay and Colorado. Tonight, though, in the NBA Finals, it'll be Game 5, pivotal fifth game between the Celtics and the Warriors in San Francisco at Chase Arena. Let's uh, bring in the coach, Scott Spinelli. Coach, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hey, always great to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me today. All right, uh... The series doesn't seem to have a lot of rhythm. Why? Well, I tell you what, I think both teams um, are so close, and I think it's been a series of adjustments. And I think game to game, each team is going in and trying to figure out uh, what their best way of adjusting to the opposition or to, to each other. And I think that's been a big reason why. Um, you know, because of this, the parity and how close these teams are in terms of, you know, competitive, the roster. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. All right. So let's get to something that Yudoka has adopted from Brad Stevens and will use in key spots. And that's drop coverage. 
the problem is on drop coverage, the guy out there is, is still Steph Curry. They've limited the other Warriors because of it. What do you think of that strategy? Well, look, I think it can go either way, right? Uh, I think when you're in drop coverage anytime and you have somebody like Curry um, and you're somebody like Williams for the Celtics, who even though he's in drop coverage, he can still almost get there and cover ground, at least contest that shot top foot, high hand, and make it a little bit more of a challenging shot. As opposed to Horford in drop coverage, you know, he's so far back, he doesn't move, you know, he's older, he doesn't have that type of length and athleticism at this point in his career. And I think then, I I think it's very, um, you know, favorable for Golden State as it relates to Curry coming off that and snaking it. Um, But look, you know, I think in the Celtics, in all these games, if you really kind of take a step back and look, you know, I think you have two teams right now that are, both getting to the video rooms, trying to figure out, you know, what their best way of doing something is to to shut down the opposition. But I don't think anything last game um, would have shut down Curry. I mean, those shots he was making yeah. um, were contested. He was being bumped. Um, I just think it was his will. And it, and again, this is the thing we've talked about: this the championship lineage. They've been there. They have four guys with rings out there, yep. um, and I think that is a huge, huge advantage. And that's a huge part of what's going on right now. And of the drop coverages, people that have gone through and looked at it, they said only a couple were poorly executed. They said Curry's just flat out hit tough shots. And by the way, that was critical drop coverage in Boston, beating both Milwaukee and Miami. Great. Yeah. Very well. A great point. Yeah. All right. So now let's let's get to Draymond Green. They kept talking about, boy, what a tough call to put him on the bench in the fourth quarter. You've been there, Scott. Scott, if he's not playing well, how tough a call is that? Look, I think the key word in coaching, and I think sometimes lost uh, in the NBA and in college, but especially in the NBA, um, is the word accountability. Yeah. And I think. You know, when you think about this, you know, and I think of some of the teams in the NBA, but specifically um, Golden State, look, it just wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing to the best of his abilities, and he's got to be held accountable. The team needs him. There is no tomorrow. This was, you know, a a pivotal game for, um, and, you know, again, Draymond Green was at a place where, you know, to Coach Kerr and his staff's credit, um, they needed someone else out there that was more on top of their game. But look, Draymond Green has been in his role a star. I mean, I think there's so many intangibles that he brings to the Golden State mm-hmm. Warriors that we don't measure necessarily in statistics and in the box score. Um, but again, you know, to your point, the fact that they were able to hold him accountable, I love that as a coach. And I think it also shows all the guys on the team that Coach Kerr and his staff, hey, look, you know, we're about the right things. We're about winning here, and we're going to give ourselves the best chance of winning. And if it means sitting one of our supposed stars, then that, then so be it. But we want to win. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's exactly right. So that's well put, Scott, because that's what it's about. It's like, I mean, look, you may be critical to us, which Green is, but if you're not getting it done, I got to go someplace else and see if somebody else can get it done. And that's about what Steve Kerr did because. <laughs> There's only potentially three more games left after this. That's it. That's it. All right. So I want to get to uh, uh, two for ones. 
because obviously in the NBA you're going to get obviously a lot of opportunities for two-for-ones. I know in college, in our broadcast, Dick Girardi and I in the Penn State broadcast, we do talk about two-for-ones all the time. And in college, it's a mixed bag as to how often we see it. Are you seeing a trend, though, for some rushed two-for-ones? Not only just in this series, but in in general in the NBA? Because, I mean, I understand the point strategy of it, but sometimes I feel that in the there's a zeal to try and get a two-for-one, and you're getting a rush shot on the first one. I think it's all situational, right? I think if you're going against a set defense and you're trying to go for a two-for-one um, in any situation in terms of the NBA or college, um, I think it's very difficult against a set defense to get a high percentage shot. And to me, as a coach, you know, I, I actually worked for a coach that used to tell me all the time, hey, look, that shot right there, that bad shot you took is like a turnover off the rim. And oftentimes, if you're going to come down against a set defense and just rush into some shot that's, again, it turns into a turnover off the rim and the other team gets out, gets an advantage break out of it, then it defeats the whole purpose, right? So I think, to your point, I think if you have a chance, whether it's in transition, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, you've, you're pitched ahead and you've got a little bit of a opportunity maybe to drive the ball against a defense that kind of is still in rotation or still getting back, then I think two-for-ones are a little bit more uh, realistic and I think can help you. But, uh, again, in these playoff games, and I know the scores have been somewhat lopsided, Mm -hmm. um, but I still think these possessions are so valuable um, in terms of momentum, um, you know, making a shot that maybe gets one of the shooters' confidence. So, look, I don't think it's as, as prevalent, at least in this playoff of the championships uh, series, to be, you know, something that we I, I would really kind of overanalyze unless it was to what we talked about earlier. It was a favorable shot. Right, yeah, cause, you know, and a lot of them are threes, and sometimes a missed three is the is the first pass to a fast break. Uh, exactly. And Now, let's get to Jason Tatum. What are you seeing in him? <clears throat> You know, I was just talking about that. I, I got to tell you, for me personally, I think what Coach Ume, Ume Adoka and his staff, as well as what Brad Stevens has done in terms of completing this roster, is nothing sort of remarkable. I think they've done, uh, both of them, um, executive of the year, coach of the year, I mean, they've done an unbelievable job. And here's why I'm going to say that to you. Look, oftentimes in the NBA, you get these stars, these superstars that can get their shot off at any time. And to me, the game, especially whether it's NBA, college, just the game of basketball, has changed so much with that three-point line that when you have a player like Tatum who is leading his team in not only scoring points per game, and I get it, maybe his percentages aren't as good, but he's also making the right play and he's leading the team in assists. To me, if you can get a star, him or Brown, to make the right play, to do what the defense dictates uh, you to do drive the ball if they're helping make the extra pass if there's no help you know drive try to get to the rim of playoff two and then finish through contact whatever it may be to me Tatum has made the right play and I think his teammates you know they they, they they're they're actually getting confidence from this they feel like he believes in me and then he's kicking them out to a roster that's been put together with three point shooters virtually at every position. Uh, when Williams is not in the game, they got one through five out there that can make threes. So 
I just think it's – I think Tatum, for what it's worth, has had a, an, I think, a really good series, really good playoffs at not only being able to do what he's capable of doing, scoring at three levels, but he's making his teammates better. And I think because of that, all of the Celtics have more belief and confidence from it. Brad Stevens was able to acquire Derek White from the Spurs. What has he meant in the playoffs for Boston? Well, I tell you what, I think he's as valuable a player in his role as a lot of the, those guys are in theirs, right? You know, he comes off the bench. You can rely on him and count on him to be a two-way player. He not only can make open shots to what we just talked about, he not only can drive the ball and finish or make his teammates better, uh, he also defends at a high level both on the ball and he's always in the right position off the ball. I just think he really, truly kind of equates to winning. I think he's a winner. I think he's been a huge addition to their team. Again, a two-way player, a guy yeah. that plays both ends of the floor. And for me, again, if you look at their roster, um, when he comes in the game, and I don't know what his plus-minus is, but to me, he's been a huge, huge part uh, of the Celtics' success this entire playoffs. I hear everybody talk about Clay Thompson being up and down, and all I keep thinking is he is coming off two really bad injuries. To me, it, it, Coach, in a lot of ways, I, I think what he's doing actually is remarkable because he's logging a lot of minutes, and he's still making plays for them. What do you think? I agree. Uh, I think you're. I agree. I think it's a great point you make. Look, he's been out of basketball for two years, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, you got to get in the NBA uh, playoffs. Never mind the championship, and and every possession is amped up. I mean, the uh, the stakes are high. The stage is as big as it gets. And look, I mean, as you, we've talked about this, anytime you can pl- you play on a stage like that where every possession, every pass um, is, you know, is contested and people, everybody's being as physical as they possibly can, you know, it takes probably a little time to get acclimated to that. Even though you're a superstar, you've done it before, um, you've been out of basketball for two years. And to your point, Look, he's made some big shots. I mean, last game he had four threes, and they were in the fourth quarter. Um, I think, again, as this series goes, I think he's going to play better and better as he becomes a little bit more comfortable and familiar with the speed of the game and the intensity of every possession. One final one. This is a big-picture question, Scott, and it deals with roster construction. We've seen a recent trend of uh, of teams – you know, trying to put together, quote, the super team, acquiring three guys and trying to, to, to build around three guys, you know, big three stars, and try to win that way. These are two teams. Curry was drafted. Clay Thompson was drafted first round, both of them, okay? Draymond Green was a second-round pick. So that's the core of the Warriors. The Celtics, Tatum, third overall pick. Brown, third overall pick. I want to say Smart was seventh or eighth overall. That's the core of the Celtics. Is that, you know, it's a copycat league. Does that tell everybody that you can build that way? Well, I think, again, what you're referring to, and I totally agree with you, and that is this. I think when you look at these two teams, and even the four teams that made the conference finals, yeah. yes, there was star power on all four of those teams. But what you did have is four teams playing as a team, playing as a unit. And look, so often, at, you know, in the old, I said the old, in the NBA, um, you know, when you had superstars, they had it to take it upon themselves to say, look, 
no matter you know what's going to happen on this possession, I'm going to make, I'm taking the shot, and I'm going to make it. And that might be something that they're capable of doing. But now with this three-point line, if teams are going to help and force your supersize to shoot contested shots over and over mm-hmm. again, I think making the right basketball play matters. And to your point, all these guys who have been, uh, you know, drafted. Um, these guys have kind of come up the ranks within their organizations where there's culture being established. There's a lot of video. There's camaraderie amongst the guys. You know, NBA college, you know, these guys are a team. And I think, again, the more you can have continuity around the program, college or the NBA, I think that breeds guys wanting to do right by one another, make the right play. And look, I think it's great for the NBA because we're watching a great brand of basketball right now, one that really shows how, how important versatility with skill and savvy matter in this thing is. Well put. Thanks, Scott, thanks so much. Really appreciate you very much, Coach. All right, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, guys. Curry again. Oh, Steph Curry from way downtown. He's furious. There was contact there. That's a ridiculous shot. He's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Curry to Green. Back to Curry. Step back. Three-pointer. Bang! Steph Curry drills the three. That's a six-point Warriors lead. Timeout, Boston. Steph Curry was remarkable in the game on Friday night at the Garden. And in a lot of ways, almost single-handedly carried the Warriors to that win. The Celtics did not play well the last six minutes of the game, which is you know not what you want to do when you're on your home floor with a chance to go up three games to one, because the Celtics were winning most of that game. But I brought up specifically with Scott Spinelli about the defensive approach that the Celtics had in in the game. But this defensive approach, I might, and I did point this out later, which he agreed with right away, is was very successful in their wins over uh, Milwaukee and Miami. Um, and that was, um, you know, But again, you're talking about Steph Curry, which brings with it a little different guy to defend than other people. Because, I mean, even when you defend him great, when you defend him and do a great job, he still can hit the shots. And that's... It's what makes him a special player. I mean, he is the best shooter I've ever seen. You know, but the drop coverage that the Celtics play, and it's something Brad Stevens employed a lot when he was when he was there. They've done a great job with drop coverage, and actually, against <laughs> when they get to um, uh, Curry. There's been a bunch of times where on drop coverage he's actually been defended very well. He just hits the shot. Like I, you know, this is something I say all the time to people. You know, you could talk strategy, you could talk schemes, and all you want. I mean, those are adorable little things to talk about at tailgates and so forth. But sometimes the other guy just 
makes a play and he's that good. And that's hard for people to accept, but it's a fact. Sometimes the other guy's just that good. Curry's been that good. The Celtics need more out of Jason Tatum. And there's no question Tatum's the first one to tell you that he needs to do more. They'll play tonight at 9 o'clock. Uh, Matt will be at home with a with a with a doll and pins. It's just a some some I find some fans to be absolutely scary. I love to see and, the Warriors finish this out in two. These next two games. And you're one of them. I mean, you're a scary dude. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. Bundles. They'll do whatever they can to save you money. It's all at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf Online at sunburymotors.com. And by the way, don't forget about the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, August 10th, Susquehanna Valley Country Club. And... We will be there on hand for that. It benefits the greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. The Celtics will play the Warriors tonight, Game 5. It is the pivotal fifth game between the two. It's in San Francisco at Chase Center. And that will start at 9. That will take over the news cycle once they play the game. Um... But right now, the uh, news cycle is dominated by the fact that for the first time in the U.S., Phil Mickelson had a press conference uh, at Brookline today at the Country Club. It is a slice of irony. And, of course, you know, of course I'm talking to Matt. He hates anybody that makes a lot of money. Um, oh, my almighty! Unless, of course, it's Aaron Judge. I don't care how much Aaron Judge makes as long as he hits home runs. Um, <laughs> there is a bottom line here. Let's let's be honest about it. The 17 players that went to the Live Golf Series right, sold out. Right? They sold out. They were offered a bundle of money. And they sold out. It's you know this is not about growing the game or anything like that. I mean, look, they played in London. Well, last I checked, <laughs> there are a lot of tournaments over in, in in England and Scotland, including something called the Open Championship. So did it grow the game there? No. They're going to go to Pumpkin Ridge in Portland. No offense. <laughs> it's, that's not new either. So you're not growing the game in new locations or or anything like that. It's about taking money. Right? It's what it is. It's about taking cash. Hard to defend when you do something like that. The um the PGA tour is not perfect. 
And here's the irony of all this. It's the backdrop for this press conference. Okay? I mean, here's the I mean, the backdrop is the country club in Boston. And <laughs> Who won the U.S. Open in 1913? At the Country Club. And that, of course, was Francis Wimet, an amateur who played for the love of the game and did not play for money. Wimet never turned professional. And he wanted to remain an amateur his entire career. He wanted to work in business. And, of course, you know, now, it doesn't mean that the USGA doesn't do, I mean, sometimes the USGA and the PGA do stupid things. And in 1916, the USGA did something really stupid. They stripped Wimet of his amateur status. Because they said he was using his celebrity to aid his own sporting good business. Oh, for I mean, this is where you're like, we're being run by idiots. Okay. Um, and yeah, you, know, you have to remember too. It's also a time when caddies were not allowed to continue caddying after they reached the age of sixteen, either, unless they declared themselves professionals. Uh, the fellow players were just furious about this, and then of course we met eventually went to the U.S. Army and became a lieutenant uh, in World War One. After the war, the USGA quietly reinstated his amateur status, and you know it. it and he was the kind of guy that did not bear a grudge. I mean, he won a he won two U.S. amateurs during the course of his career, including uh, 1931. And but in 1913, on this course, now it's not quite the same. There's been a little, you know, there are many holes that are still the same. But you know, it, it, as time has gone, they've had to lengthen it and they've changed a little bit. They added another. I think at least nine holes to it, and they kind of worked the two. But look, the same location. At the age of 20, an amateur who played for the pure love of the game won the U.S. Open Championship. And yes, Eddie Lowry was his caddy, and Eddie Lowry was 10 years old. as he was able to beat Harry Varden and Ted Ray. And he literally received, except for the fame, nothing for winning. Um, And by the way, if you've ever seen the movie The Greatest Game Ever Played, which talks about this, it shows Wimet winning at the end by one shot. To be honest with you, he beat 
uh, Harry Varden by five shots in the playoff. Okay, they actually won by a wide margin. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what the that's what the irony of all this is. I mean that's I mean the irony of all this is where it took place today. It took place at the country club where a guy for the love of the game, a true amateur who remained an amateur his entire life, and he won two US amateurs along the way as well. And won the US Open. That's that is the irony of today, the backdrop of where this took place. Amazing, huh? Can't make this stuff up sometimes. Matt fed me all this information. No, you. <laughs> By the way, we met to his credit. Um, now, from the sporting goods story, eventually uh, became a banker, stockbroker, and uh, he was uh, actually a financial advisor at Brown Brothers Harriman. So, remarkable, huh? So that's, uh, and if you ever get a chance, and, you know, obviously there's some artistic license taken in the movie. There always is, and something like that, you know. But you know, for the most part, it's you know, but that's uh, that's what's interesting. You know, you go from 1913. 109 years ago, a true amateur shocks the professionals and wins the U.S. Open. Not only that, two professionals from across the pond in Ted Ray and Harry Varden. And here we are 109 years later, and one player is getting $100 million guaranteed, and another player is getting $200 million guaranteed. To play on this rival tour and had to hold a press conference today. And believe me, Phil Mickelson, who's usually engaging, forthcoming, everything like that, was very measured and halting in the press conference. I watched the press conference earlier today. I was like, okay. He has been lately because he was the same way when he when he talked before the first live tournament this week because yeah. I think he knows if he says something else wrong he's he's done for. Well it's not a question of being done for. He's not I mean, done for. Well not for done for, what? but I mean, I mean he's done just for get what? He's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a two hundred million dollar guarantee from Liv. He's not done for anything. Uh, but it's a question of I think he still wants to somehow some way keep his PGA status. Uh, of which he has, you know, by the way, you know, he's suspended 
but he has earned his lifetime status. <laughs> he, he can't. He, he can't has earned fi- it, but he doesn't deserve I mean, to have it anymore. Well, I mean, he's a well. This is all. He has nobody to blame but himself. There, there's no no question. But you know, over the time, like you know, who's done more for the game of golf, Phil Mickelson or Tyrell Hatton? Doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Because he's lost it, he's lost his legacy, and that's and that's why I think he's realizing at his press conference that he's just going to drug himself in more of a hole as far as his legacy goes than it is his current status right now. He's fine right now; he's making a crap ton of money still. But as far as his legacy yeah. goes, he knows one more false move and he's done. As in, see, in that really, regard, see what's interesting about him is I really thought that he'd go like you know. He'd mix between the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour, which he was starting to do, and I thought it would, you know, it would give him a good chance to win, like, the U.S. Senior Open or something like that. You know, he should be able to play the U.S. – I mean, he's allowed to play the U.S. Senior Open. And I thought he'd go to that and try to win that and, you know, and then keep going from there. But you know what? I've always been – I think people have listened to me now for four decades – I think everyone knows I've been always been a loyalist. Uh, I've never been somebody that has... I mean, it's not as if... I've never done anything, quote, for money over time. Okay, I'll, uh, you know, I've done some BTN stuff. Okay, fine. I'll freely admit I did that for the money. Uh, speeches, I've done, I've done a bunch of those over time, and I've done that for money. But I'm talking about, like, team. When it comes to like my primary job, I mean, could I have earned more money? Maybe going someplace else. Yeah. It's not like I. It's not like my lifetime. I wasn't offered a few times, and my loyalty's always been here. And I don't apologize for being loyal. And that's what, like in this this scenario here, whatever complaints he had with the PGA Tour needed to remain behind closed doors and work it out. But then it became public, and then on top of it, um, look, all 17 of those guys, there's no question. They got offered a ton of money, they all sold out. And for better or worse, in my for better or worse in my lifetime, like you're saying, would you ever make the same decision? And I can unequivocally say, no, I would not have made the same decision because I because I've stayed where I am because this is what I'm this is where I love to be and I, I'm loyal to it. So that's why I know I wouldn't. Yeah. Like take the suit. You know, I asked the suit a year ago whose favorite teams were, and they all had won championships. And then I asked him a year later what his favorite teams were, and it turned out it was the teams that year that won the championship. He just jumps around to whatever makes him. You know, he has an old saying: the suit always says, "Always root for the team that wins. That way, you always go home happy." Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Loyal, really. But again, we're an amateur when the U.S. Open and never turn pro. Francis, we met.
in that backdrop, Phil Mickelson at his press conference today, and of course Dustin Johnson's there as well. Interesting backdrop. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on uh, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult, well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Mm. Out of auto repair. It's incredible. Uh, you know, playing with Tony and JT today, two of the top players in the world. And I'm... All of us playing the way we did. I mean, I think the worst score of the group was, whatever, six under par. Um... Yeah, this is a day I'll remember for a long, long time. Uh, 21st PGA Tour win, uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today, and um, happy to get it done. You, sir, are my hero. That's someone else, by the way, who's referring to as Greg Norman, <laughs> who's the founder of the Live Tour. Norman won 20 PGA championships. Rory wins the weekend. He had a, I mean, he played great, and he and Thomas and Finau really, and then Justin Rose, on a weekend where the uh, PGA Tour needed to have a big weekend, they did. And now they've got the U.S. Open, they've got the entire um, deal to themselves here. You know, and then after they go to the U.S. Open, then they go to the Travelers, the TPC, and they're going to get like 60,000 people there every day. I mean, they always, I mean, they always draw well in Cromwell. But I mean, this is—I mean, I know the Celtics play tonight with the Warriors. Big game five tonight. But this, this is the big story, uh, and it's the big story um, because of the press conference today. Look, Mickelson needed to get it out of the way. He needed to put it in his rearview mirror, which he did. I mean, he did do it, but it was uh, not. His uh, it was just so uh, halting, and but to be honest with you, you know, Jay Monahan didn't do well yesterday either. Nobody knows how to attack this thing. Now Monahan made you know significant line in the sand decisions. Um. The uh, uh, but let's face it, the, the seventeen that went over there, they got tons of money. They sold out. I will say this: I think this is another important weekend for Rory, because we've talked about before. Other than 
before all this live stuff started, guys like Tiger and Phil, in my opinion, were getting old for the PGA. They need somebody to kind of take the sport by storm and that now this time the, t- the tour itself by storm. If Rory can have a good weekend and or even win this weekend the way he and the way he kind of did this week, then he can he can take the PGA by the reins and maybe yeah, start you know, making his own honest, name for it too and finally give give something that to be a new face for the PGA well, finally. But a consistent face you, that is. But you know what? We've been waiting for this for a long time from him. I, I that's a lot to ask because it, he already has a track record that that shows moments of incredible brilliance and then show moments of okay where where is he i mean that's i mean remember when he won those four majors so quickly including a us open and congressional and he won it by a gigantic margin and he had that great come from behind when he beat Mickelson at Valhalla, everybody's been like, well, he's been stuck on four, Matt, for a long time. Now, I agree it would be great for the tour if he did. But he's, I mean... Yeah, it's that, he, the consistency just hasn't been there, no question. Yeah, I mean, he, they've been kind of waiting for him to do this. He was going to be the rival to Tiger at one point. And it just... Every time you feel he's on the verge of it, and remember, he was going to when um, when they finally had the Open Championship in Northern Ireland. That was going to be his baby. It didn't go well. But look, the competition on this thing is so tough. I mean, these are the best players in the world. The worst player in the field is incredible. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal, home, and auto, or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855, or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. 